Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, November 1st, 2016. Today, we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are at page 159, paragraph 2. Today's readers are Roz R. on the 12 Steps, Leslie M. on the 12 Traditions, and the readers of the text are Deb W., Kelly S., and Martha Z. The reference number for Monday, October 31st, is 9219. That's 9219. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Roz R. to read the 12 steps. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, um, here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, um, 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Um, Do I continue reading? I'm sorry, I didn't know. No, you just stopped there. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, I will now ask Leslie M. to read the 12 Traditions of OA. Good morning. This is Leslie M., a grateful, recovering, compulsive overeater, and thank you, KDF, for your service. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first, 
personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA, as such, ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Leslie M., How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 159, paragraph 2. I will ask Deb W. to begin reading. Good morning. This is Deb W. recovered in Oklahoma. All this time, our friend of the hotel lobby incident remained in that town. He was there three months. He now returned home, leaving behind his first acquaintance, the lawyer and the devil-may-care chap. These men had found something brand new in life, though they knew they must help other alcoholics if they would remain sober. That motive became secondary. It was transcended by the happiness they found in giving themselves for others. They shared their homes, their slender resources, and gladly devoted their spare hours to fellow sufferers. They were willing by day or night to place a new man in the hospital and visit him afterward. 
They grew in numbers. They experienced a few distressing failures, but in those cases, they made an effort to bring the man's family into a spiritual way of living, thus relieving much worry and suffering. And uh, there are a few um, lines that I'd like to uh, share on. And uh, the the one is... they would remain sober, and that motive became secondary. And it makes me uh, recall that when I first came in the program, that motive was first. You know, I spent all my time trying to find uh, a sponsor, probably in that order, a sponsor, and then tried to find a good plan of eating, and then somewhere in there uh, looked for God and and that was what I did. That's what the program was to me, you know. But once finishing the steps, I realized in order to stay out of the food, I had to continue to work 10, 11, and 12. And uh, and then uh, I realized that after a while that it became uh, just another, became a part of me, you know, the automatic uh, not, eating food automatically I was working the program and so there was time to look out of myself and look to the helping of somebody else and I really believe that's when the program that is the intention of the program that this is not um, you know it's not hard I mean that we we just don't spend our whole life thinking about the food. I mean, because the gift of this program, the gift of the spiritual awakening is what the men found out, that they had a brand new life, you know, that through the food I learned about God. You know, through the food I saw uh, a power greater than me manifest itself with something that I could never do myself. And so once I saw that, and I believed that, and I saw that it came through working the steps, then uh, I could put it in its place. I could pray every day. I could thank God for having this special blessing, and then I could turn around and help others. And, uh, yes, there is nothing more rewarding to than talking to others who are suffering and then hearing in their voice when I tell my story their understanding and that and the it is a sense of reassurance that uh, I know where they are coming from. I have been there, you know. I remember uh, in the meetings years ago, they would pass pictures around, and we saw the before and the after. Because if I were a newcomer coming in and sitting in a meeting without being able to see the visual it would be hard for me to believe that the recovered people that I saw had ever had my my dilemma. And then it drops down to say um, there are a few uh, distressing failures. And, you know, there we can give the message, uh, the simple message of this program and the direction. And But, you know, there is a power greater than us that has a plan for those who uh, are still looking for sponsors, who are still looking for the way and the answer after, you know, years of being in the program. I mean, I don't know your outcome. I, I, don't, I don't know mine, but I do know if I follow these simple 
uh, steps and this simple plan for living, what I have seen in the past is recovery for me. I've seen it keeps me out of the food. It keeps me in contact with uh, with a higher power who gives me direction uh, day to day. So, you know, I don't really believe that anybody is a failure. I just believe that, you know, for whatever reason, we're just not ready. They're just not ready at that time, but they still have a power greater than uh, us that is still calling them, beckoning them to come out of that that enslavement to come out of that uh, misery and uh, and turn it to a different method of living. And thank you for letting me share. Oh, thank you so much, Deb W. Okay, who would like to share on this paragraph? We're on page 159, the second paragraph, all this time. This would be Paula D. Paula D., Kathy K. Kathy K. Nessa R. Pat P. Nessa R. Pat P. Anyone else? Okay, let's go with those four. Paula D., Kathy K., Nessa R., and Pat P. Go ahead, Paula. And thank you for your service today, Katie. And this would be Paula D., currently in Burr, New Hampshire, and um, recovered by and with the grace of God. I'm just going to take one step back here, and then I'm going to continue forward, as was read beautifully and shared. So one more was added to the fellowship. Huge. So one more. Just one. But look at this, the fellowship, and this is where it all comes together. It's a ship of fellows. Know that clearly. And, honey, without that one more, that ship is sunk. This is how we float. This is how we come out of the harbor. And then it says, and I just wanted to share, there's so many beautiful lines that were read. He now returned home, leading behind his first acquaintance, the lawyer in the devil-may-care chap. He had to leave. He couldn't stay with them. Could he be with them 24 hours a day? What happened there? I'll tell you something that happened to me, and maybe you can relate. I left my granddaughter. She was 14 years old. I was going down to Florida, and I hugged her in front of the house, and I hugged her. And she said, Nana, and I'm thinking, yeah. And she said, you got to let go. This is what we understand here. He had to let go. He couldn't stay and continue to be with them, though he would want to be. There's when your trust in God comes. These men had found something brand new in life. Brand new. New means something not known before. They didn't know this kind of trust and love and caring and giving. Talk about a whole new world. Talks about it in this book, doesn't it? A whole new world. Though they knew they must help other alcoholics if they were to remain sober. That motive became secondary. Oh, really? That wasn't enough. Let me add more to it. That motive became secondary. It was transcended. It rose above here. And this is it by the happiness they found in giving themselves for others. You want to talk about a transformation. And you'll know it as you walk this path, as you pick up the phone, as you answer the calls. And oftentimes I don't get to the calls, but I will tell you, eventually I do. But it says here they shared their homes. Look at what they shared. Oh, each time I read this. They were willing by day and night to place a new man, whatever, new man not known to them before. 
How do you do that? How do you just meet someone and know? You know. You know. Because there is something that we share. And it says, like the ship that goes goes afloat and the men, oh, we're all rescued. Oh, are we? And they go their way. Oh, dear. But not us. We stay together because we know that is where, that is where we belong. And I'm going to end with 573. There's a line there. And that's the last reward. Historians may one day recognize Alcoholics Anonymous to have been a great venture in social pioneering, which forged a new instrument for social action, a new therapy based on the kinship. There it is. Kinship is we're related. So different. So many places, so many different languages of common suffering. Yeah. One having a vast potential for the married other ills of mankind. And here we have sprouted out of Alcoholics Anonymous and how many others in kinship of suffering to find a new life. Thank you for allowing me to share on these beautiful paragraphs. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Kathy K., you're up, followed by Nessa R. Thank you, KDF. This is Kathy K. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Boston. And um, this paragraph makes me uh, remember and recall uh, when I first got recovered and I was encouraged by my sponsor uh, to start um, sponsoring other people. And boy, I didn't, I really didn't feel ready to do that. And um, she really encouraged me and she reminded me that I don't have to do anything alone, that God would guide me just like he guided me with the food and guided me with other aspects of my life. And so it was, it became just a very natural next step in my journey. Um, once I, you know, acknowledged the fear of not being good enough and surrendered that fear to my higher power, I could take the first step towards helping others in a more formal way. And, you know, um, it's such an important part, as it says here, it's such a delightful part of my day, um, uh, when I meet up with a sponsee and we study together, um, it's uh, it's really like no other part of my recovery. And I have experienced people not completing the work or going back into the food, and uh, those are reminders that I'm really not in charge. It's not me um, helping getting someone else abstinent and recovered. It's me transmitting what's in this book and helping another fellow traveler to understand how to implement the instructions in this book. So I do. It is a feat of social engineering, and um, it really does inform me, too, about how to be in the world beyond program. I've learned a lot about how I can use the principles in this in this program in all areas of my life. And for that, I'm grateful. Thank you. Hey, 
Katie, we can. Okay, can't. great. Yes, I'm sorry. Um, thank you, Kathy. And Nessa R., you're up, followed by Pat P. Hi, good morning, Vision for you. It's Nessa R., recovered in uh, Toronto, Canada. So Bill here is about to leave Akron to go to New York and build a fellowship there. He probably wants to stay, you know, um, elated by the successes they've had in Akron and the friendship that he has developed with Dr. Bob. But he knows he can't because he, he must help other alcoholics if he is to remain sober. And indeed, in page 89, at the beginning of working with others, it tells us why, what is the primary reason that um, we have to work with others. And it's because practical experience shows us that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. It works when other activities fail. Um, but in, in doing this, in working with other alcoholics, we find, I, I, at least I found um, a higher calling. You know, for the first time in my life, I was not focused on the food, um, what I was going to eat or what I was not going to eat. Um, for the first time in my life, I wasn't focused on what would make Nessa happy, what Nessa wants, what Nessa doesn't want. You know, for the first time in my life, I found um, myself focused on other people. And this is why this, this uh, next sentence resonates with me so much. It was transcended by the happiness they found in giving themselves for others. Um, because this program is not about abstinence. And it's not, um, abstinence is absolutely the, the, the prerequisite, the key foundation to, to this whole structure. But it is not about abstinence. It's about um, serving God and helping others so that um, we ourselves um, can stay out of the disease and to stay recovered. But the reward is, is something that I could have never have imagined, and it's this happiness. This happiness that I have found helping others, you know, the joy of, of passing what I have found, the freedom that I have found on, and seeing sponsees um, embrace it and recover is such, it is such a joy, um, and it gives such meaning and such purpose to, to my life, something that I could never have even dreamed of when I was in the food or when I was on a diet or when I was pursuing what I thought was best for me. So like, go figure, you know, this turned out to be the, the, the best for me when I have no quote unquote time for myself and my little plans and designs um, because I'm devoting so much time to, to others. Uh, this is where the happiness was found. This is what Bill found in Akron, and um, he was going now to build the same thing in, in New York, and this is what we must build here in our respective cities and communities by, by starting new strong meetings um, that are dedicated to the study of the big book uh, to bring um, OA back, back to the basics of you know, putting down the food and working the steps so that others can recover and continue doing the same thing um, and spread the message. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nessa. Okay, Pat P., you're up, and then we'll open it up for more people to share. Thank you. Hi, this is Pat P., a compulsive overeater. Um, uh, there's a lot to be said in this, and, and I really appreciate everybody that uh, did uh, did uh, touch bases on it. it. 
I don't know if I have much more to say except that I do know that the spiritual experience puts me on another plane of thought, of how to live, the perspective of life. It's just a little bit of heaven right here on earth when you work the program. And I'm very grateful that there is a program and for all the people who show up and suit up. Uh, uh, it's it's a marvelous journey, and in reading this, um, as I have um, struggled in the past, some of you know my story, some of you don't, but as I struggled and fell off, the only thing that kept me going was the fact that I knew this is the only place to be that I would become recovered. So with that, I'll pass. Okay, who else would like to share on this paragraph? We're on page 159. This is Nancy R. Nancy R. Martha C. Sarah W. Okay, Martha Z. Martha Z. Sarah W. Melissa C. Melissa C. Okay, let's go with those four. Nancy R., Martha Z., Sarah W., Melissa C. Go ahead, Nancy. Nancy, we can't hear you. Oh, can you hear me now? Yes, we can. I was just chattering away. Uh, Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. I'm Nancy Ira. I'm a grateful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you for your uh, service and for everyone who shared this morning. Uh, I, this uh, this paragraph teaches me that working with others takes time. That I'm I, that I have to be willing to sacrifice, give up uh, time uh, in order to share this experience that God has so generously given me uh, that I can't be rushed, that uh, everyone moves at a different pace, and all I have to do is to be willing to be a channel. It also uh, helps me not to feel bad if someone doesn't get it. It's not my fault. Uh, I'm just to share with uh, people my experience, strength, and hopes, and to guide them through uh, the 12 steps as I've been guided. Uh, these uh, people gave so much of themselves. They were willing to open up their homes. They were willing to uh, uh, work with families. And they left, uh, uh, they left for uh, me a wonderful example. Uh, it is distressing when you spend time with people and they don't get it. But, uh, again, you know, uh, all I can do is carry the message. That's all. That is my responsibility, to carry the message. And um, uh, the joy that I receive, the benefits of working with people. God, I mean, God has, God brings wonderful people, has brought some wonderful people into my life uh, to help me to grow. I don't know if I help them, but I know they've helped me tremendously. So this book is certainly a guide for uh, working with others. It has really opened my eyes to what my role is. And thank you for letting me share this morning. 
Thank you, Nancy. Martha Z, you're up, followed by Sarah W. Good morning, Katie and my friends in recovery. This is Martha Z. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from near Philadelphia. And uh, when I first, Nancy says, all this time our friend remained in that town. And he was there for three months. You know, I mean, he Lois is at home. He's there for three months. So he co- he comes home to New York. And the first thing I thought of was, it says, leaving behind his first acquaintance. And I'm thinking, this is, you know, this is how he described Dr. Bob. And quite certainly, I'm sure, even by that time, they were friends. They were not acquaintances. Um, and then they said these men had found something brand new in life. Um, let me see. So it, it, the the part that, that really um, strikes me is it was transcended by the happiness they found in giving themselves to others. And um, I was thinking about the, the first part of Chapter 7. You know, it was referenced earlier, but what I was thinking about is the part where it talks about it being the bright spot in our lives. And in... Um, the AA 12 and 12, where it talks about the joy of living, you know, is the theme of, of AA's 12 step. And um, that's that has been my experience. Like, I don't, I, I can say, I yes, I'm, I'm grateful, grateful. It, it helps me to be abstinent and stay in recovery. But working with others is such a bright spot. I mean, it is, it is I want to do it, and I want to do it because the spiritual um, awakening changed me. I was not like that before, and I, I really, truly care about people and, and want to be helpful. And um, let's see. And then, and then it talks about the few distressing failures. And um, I like the way it said. It, it talks. It says a spiritual way of living, thus relieving much worry and suffering. So, you know, not only for the families, but, you know, that's a good description of what it can do for us, too, relieving much worry and suffering. So when we we find this relationship with a power greater than ourselves, not only does he help us with our compulsive overeating, but he helps us with our entire lives. So anyway, thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Martha. Okay, Sarah W., you're up, followed by Melissa C., Good morning, Katie. Thank you so much for your service today. It's good to hear you online. Sarah W., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, I was thinking as I was reading this how when I first came into program, it was so important. Um, My sponsor taught me that immediately I needed to start getting out of myself. And, you know, in all honesty, the other program teaches that too. I mean, you know, you go on 12-step calls from the beginning with who you're sponsored by. And I was thinking of how it's so the opposite of who we are when we're using. When I'm using, you know, it's all about me and what I want and what I need to get. And, you know, by practicing healthier, more loving behaviors towards others, I start to think that way too. So although all action is born in thought, all thought is born in action too. You know, the more I do things that are good, the more I feel like I want to do things that are good. So um, 
and I was thinking that I started a meeting a little over a year ago um, in my little town of 5,000. Um, it is not a big book study. I have most of my people have come from other programs because that's how I know them, and they did not want a big book study. And at this point, come January, I think we will all want a big book study. I am not in charge, but people are really starting to realize they need the program and they want it enough to do the work. It's not for me to know when and who. Um, I, had a, I had an experience yesterday where I was going to start sponsoring somebody and they said, you know, I just don't feel like I'm ready. I'm here for you as a friend. You know, we're here for you and the program does work. Um, you know, somebody else that uh, had some issues, you know, is, is in the, is in some, um, I don't know where she's at with it, but, you know, the thing is I called her and just said, you know, I'm thinking about you. I mean, we, people that struggle, we don't have to walk away from completely. That doesn't mean that we enable. Uh, but I think that we keep the hand outstretched. Um, and, you know, the program has really made such a difference in my life. I think it's all about really practicing the opposite of my defects. Um, I was listening yesterday, and I just want to say this real quick. I was listening yesterday to somebody talk about sixth step and the sixth step, um, you know, God, for God to remove our defects. Well, we have to start acting as if we're in the opposite, which is the assets. How can we change otherwise, you know? So I'm so grateful for this new way of living, and I'm grateful that I can be of service to God and to others. And I ask every morning, how can I be? Every single morning, how can I be? Show me the way, guide me, direct me. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Katie, for your service. Thank you so much, um, Sarah W. Melissa C., you're up. Hi. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, um, you know, when I read the lines of happiness they found in giving themselves to others, um, you know, I'm quickly reminded that um, I really thought happiness was contingent upon me getting what what I thought I wanted and deserved and was due. And um, and that never brought me happiness, you know, um, holding on to what I believed was rightfully mine or that I should be getting from someone else um, got me into this mess. And so, you know, when I first... Um, came recovered and I was, you know, directed to, to sponsor, um, I was scared because my body didn't physically look ready, you know, and um, and that might be something that other people struggle with too. You know, I think um, because weight, you know, is such a visible, um, it's so visible that I didn't think I had anything worthwhile to share. Um if I still looked overweight, how could I possibly guide somebody and help somebody? Um, and then I realized how that really was, or it was pointed out to me, how that really was attached to my ego, that um, I was placing importance on um, how I physically looked and 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 spent too much um, worry about what others thought of me. And that's not what this is about. And so... You know, when I'm helping someone today or when I'm being useful to someone today, um, it's only with what I have to offer. You know, it's, I can't give something that I don't have. 
from, and and I can give it without um, worrying how it's being perceived or how it's being um, interpreted or how it looks. And so um, when I give to others today, you know, I, I used to think I was truly giving. You know, I was this really giving person, but I was giving um, with strings attached. So if I did something for you, I needed to be praised. I needed to be told that um, you're the best. Thank you so much. And this is not what this is about. And so, you know, when I'm helping someone today um, or someone asks me for help, if I can't necessarily take them on as a sponsee because, you know, there are limits to how much um, hours there are in the day. And um, But we can still be useful and helpful to lots of people. It doesn't only have to come in that form. And so um, right away, it's um, as soon as we put the food down, yes, it's call other people, reach out to other people. We can be useful with exactly what we have right in this moment. And um, yeah, and, and every day is a new opportunity to be useful to new people, not just people in the fellowship, but people in my outside, in my outside life. And this program gave me the blueprint for living. For really forgetting that. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Melissa C. Um, I just would like to share for a minute. My name is Katie F. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, though they knew they must help other alcoholics if they would remain sober, that motive became secondary. Themselves for others. So, you know, I don't think, oh, so I'll feel better, so I'll do better, so I'll whatever. Um, I need to answer this call so I will um, keep recovered. You know, we don't think that way, but um, I can tell you that when I hear of people having trouble, I do ask them, how many people are you sponsoring? You know, do you make your phone calls? Do you return phone calls? You know, what is your uh, level of service in your in the meetings that you're involved with. And, you know, um, I have not, in my experience, ever met someone who went back to the food that was immersed in this program. Um, you know, with a, uh, with a hand held down to help someone along and a hand held up to be led by someone else who, um, you know, is their sponsor, is a network of people who know their stuff inside and out. Um, so I just, you know, I, they didn't know that um, writing this line was going to be so important for those of us, you know, many decades later reading these words, but it really is um, so important. And, you know, we can't give away what we don't have, but what we have, if we want to keep it, we need to give it away. And with that, I'll pass. And who else would like to share on this paragraph before we move on? Rachel W. Elaine B. Okay. okay. Rachel W. and Elaine B. And then we will have Kelly S. coming up with the next paragraph. Go ahead, Rachel. Hey, thank you so much for your service. This is Rachel W., recovered compulsive overreader calling from New York. And you know, this section is just reminding me so much of the um, 
the need to give this program away and also how it just gives meaning and purpose to my entire journey, you know? Um, and, and I, I remember in the very beginning, I think a really big hump that I had to get over, whether it was coming in brand new or coming in out of a relapse was, um, was to, was to know that I wasn't above or below anybody, you know, and I, I thought I knew more, like I really did. I thought I knew more than my sponsor. I thought I knew more than people coming in, um, to help me. And I think that I had to really, this for me, this is a program of surrender and perseverance. And I had to really surrender to the fact that I did have a disease of the body and the mind. And also in, in doing so, I, I could identify in with a problem and the more I identify in with the problem, the more I can identify in with a solution. So as long as you told me that you knew exactly what it was like for me, you know, I could know that it, you sitting on the other side there recovered, that there could actually maybe be a place where I could be as well, where I could be abstinent and I could be recovered. And um, so it's, it's in both, you know, it's in, it's in, it's in connecting in the, within the problem and the solution. And I just want to finish off with reading this very short meditation for today from the 24 hours a day um, um, Alcoholics Anonymous book for today. It's October 31st. It says, in all of us, there is an inner con- consciousness that tells a, of God, an inner voice that speaks to our hearts. It is a voice that speaks to us intimately, personally, in a time of quiet meditation. It is like a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We can reach out into the darkness and figuratively touch the hand of God. As the big book puts it, Deep down in every man, woman, and child, it's a fundamental idea of God. We can find the great reality deep down within us, and when we find it, it changes our whole attitude toward life. So I want to just thank you for um, letting me share, and I'm so grateful to have this common bond that, again, that I can identify in with a solution, but I can also um, identify in, you know, with the problem and the solution and just be led as my sponsor led me to guide, guided me to my higher power. I can do that for others as well for theirs. Thank you so much for allowing me to share. Thank you, Rachel. Elaine B., you're up. Thank you, Katie, for your service. This is Elaine B., recovered in Massachusetts. I just want to paddle back a few pages because I'm struck by the line, he was there three months. Was he there three months just to stay and work with the guys? Well, it says from a business standpoint, you know, uh, In 1935, one of our members journeyed to a certain western city, the bottom of page 153. From a business standpoint, his trip went off badly. He had to be, um, had he been successful in his enterprise, he would have been set on his feet financially, which at the time seemed vitally important. But his venture wound up in a lawsuit and bogged down completely. The proceeding was shot through with much hard feeling and controversy. Well, you know, standing right there in the middle of all of that, his world crashed and collided and dropped down all around him. As we recall, you know, the sound from the bar, the chatter and the laughter laughter sounded pretty good to him. But instead he picked up a phone and started his journey. And here he is with that, with the third prospect. And um, it says that these men had found something brand new in life. So from a point of utter despair, utter failure, everything is not working. Have any of you felt that way or any of you feeling that way on the line today? 
that everything that I thought was vitally important is not happening. There was a time where I, what was vitally important was to have a right-sized body and attract the right man. And those were the things that drove me. But I'll tell you what, I have found something brand new in life. And yes, I did start doing step 12 because I thought I must help other alcoholics. Before I did the steps, I was always I was sponsoring people, always sponsoring people and doing the tools. But you know what? That did not keep me recovered. That did not guide me to something brand new in life. It was picking up the steps and working the steps every day rather than just the tools that I found a new relationship. I found a new purpose, and it is more satisfying than than anything. And again, when you go into sponsoring, boy, it's a lot different sponsoring the steps than it is the food, just the food. And, you know, I don't have to do it alone. I have a power greater than myself I can invite into every call. And I have a network I can reach out to. And I have finally the humiliation, (laughs) the humility, not humiliation, to say, you know what, I don't know. Let's check on this. Let's figure this thing out together. And, um, you know, it says that, uh, well, I think I'm going to, it was transcended by the happiness they found in giving themselves for others. And I am finding so much more happiness uh, on the phone, in the rooms, than I ever found in the restaurants and in the refrigerator. (laughs) Thanks so much. I pass. Thank you. Excuse me, Elaine. Okay, Kelly S., will you please read the next paragraph? Sure. Thanks, Katie, for your service. This is Kelly S., another recovered Oklahoman. Um, All right. A year and six months later, these three had succeeded with seven more. Seeing much of each other, scarce an evening passed at someone's home did not shelter, a little gathering of men and women, happy in their release, and constantly thinking how they might present their discovery to some newcomer. In addition to these casual get-togethers, it became customary to set apart one night a week for a meeting to be attended by anyone or everyone interested in a spiritual way of life. Aside from fellowship and sociability, the prime object was to provide a time and a place where new people might bring their problems. And again, I'm Kelly S. in Oklahoma, recovered one day at a time. Thank you, God. Um, So one of the things, um, you know, that I share on this meeting a little bit, you know, that I've been, I've been on this program for 30 something years. And the thing that I, I didn't understand, even though I had four big books and they were all worn out with highlighting because I never, you know, studied it the way it was meant to be studied from the beginning. Um, I didn't understand that the whole point of this big book was to get, get us to a spiritual way of life, to get to a higher power. You know, I knew, you know, I knew it was a, a higher, uh, you know, a 12-step program. I knew God was involved, blah, blah, blah. But um, I still thought the focus was about staying abstinent. So when I came in and started listening to you guys and, and listening to the readings, I was like, wait a minute, when did that get put in there? So the spiritual way of life, what is that? To me, it's working these steps. You know, again, like other people shared, I got a little too focused on the tools. And so this is, you know, talking to me about, one of the things that says here that I read, aside from fellowship and sociability, and the fellowship's great, and I need my network, and I need you guys. I mean, the thing is written in we. You know, we can't do this alone. But that the fellowship and the sociability won't keep me abstinent. Trust me, I've done it. I've been involved in a lot of things. We here in Oklahoma for a while, our group was huge. We had all kinds of 
fun activities and, and stuff like that. But, you know, our groups dwindled down because that's not what keeps us as abstinent in the spiritual way of life. And so when it says here, you know, to me, I, if I wanted to, I could read this in a way. Well, it says here well, we can bring our problems. We can talk about our problems. Well, no, it's not really saying that to me because it's saying, you know, leaving aside the fellowship, we bring our problems. What are our problems? What is my problem? I don't know how to do life. You know, food was my solution to the fact that I can't do life. And so what's going to teach me how to do life? A spiritual way of life, which is going to be doing the steps, doing this book like it's laid out in this big book, you know, which I seem to have missed and didn't understand. And so, you know, part of that, you know, is, you know, finding a higher power and then learning to be of service and getting out of self because, you know, the big book says our biggest problem is we're selfish and self-centered. So what's the, you know, the solution to that? Getting out of self. And when I start thinking about other people, when it says at the beginning of the paragraph, constantly thinking how we might help somebody else. Not occasionally, not when it's convenient, which is what I know that I've done, you know, in the past. It's like, well, it's not convenient, you know. And, and I believe in setting boundaries. I have a family, I have a partner, I have, you know, my kids are grown. But, you know, I believe in setting boundaries. But at the same time, I have to be there for people. You know, I look at... You know, we say our disease is as serious as the alcoholic, and, you know, they're going all hours in the night, going all, doing, you know, having people in their homes, and, and maybe not as much now, but the point is, you know, um, I think it's good to say, here's good times to call me, but at the same time, if somebody needs me, I'm there to pick up the phone. You know, sometimes I may pick up the phone and say, I'm in the middle of, of whatever, can I call you back? And um, I'll tell you guys, my disease was never convenient. You know, somehow I try to fit my program and my steps and my spiritual way of life into my life, well, that doesn't work. It has to be my life. And, you know, my disease was never convenient. It, it totally took over. And now I have to give the same sort of um, consideration to my recovery and to my program. So for me, the big discovery was it's not about being abstinent. I have to put the food down and I have to keep it down to, to get to God, to work my steps and to think of other people and be of service. And um, with that, I'm pa- I pass, and glad to be here. Thank you, Kelly. Okay, we have time for a couple of shares on this paragraph. Harlan Penny C. This is Bella. Can I share? Okay, I heard Penny C. Harlan G. Caroline Carl. Okay, I think it was Carl G. Is that what it was? Harlan. Oh, Harlan. I know that. Yes. Voice. Okay, yeah. thank you. Okay, let's have Penny C and Harlan G, and then yeah. the rest of you, if you don't mind waiting till the next hour. Okay, go ahead, Penny C. Hi, thank you. Um, this is Penny C. I'm a recovered compulsive overreader from the Boston area, and I just one little phrase in in that paragraph that just um, really really spoke to me this morning. Happy in their release. Happy in their release. Release from what? Release from self-centeredness. That's what we read so much in this book. You know, back on page 14 in Bill's story, and it says, simple, not easy, but a price had to be paid. The destruction of self-centeredness. And, and oh, that release, that, that freedom. We, I really, when I first read Freedom from Bondage, Oh my gosh, they're being so dramatic, you know. I, I, I came, 
I came to the 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 big book a, a bit arrogant, you know. I I was critiquing the rhetoric that Bill wrote with, and um, oh, I was about to write letters to World Service when they saw when I saw the address there, um, because you know they needed my input. After all, you know, did they know how how very smart I was? And oh my gosh. That was so arrogant. I'm not. I'm not that smart, really. I'm only. I. I only have a, um, you know, a, a average intelligence. But the best thing that I found in this program is that I was willing to do what what it said, to be released not only from the bondage of food, but from the bondage of myself. And and I walk today a free woman. Free, free from all that, those those character defects, or at least most of them, I'll never be perfect, but from so many character defects that I brought with me into these rooms. And it's all because I, I was told right from the beginning, very fortunate was I, that right at my first meeting I heard, recovery is in the steps and the directions are in this book. I heard that at my first meeting, and I bought into it. And, um, you know, and I know today it's all my higher power who directed me to those that room that day. You know, I didn't expect much from it. And look what I have, almost 30 years of recovery and a higher power that I never, the concept of which I never, never thought I'd, I'd achieve. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Penny C. Okay, Harlan, you're up. Thank you, Harlan G., recovered compulsive overeater from Scottsdale, Arizona, via Chicago. Go Cubs. This paragraph is so essential and so overlooked by so many of us that it bears review. What is the paragraph telling me, first of all, that 18 months in, not 18 days, 18 months in, there were 10 of them. They clung together as if they were in the middle of the ocean surviving a shipwreck. They clung to each other because of a divine inspiration to do so, that they were on to something. Now, it has been my honor and pleasure to travel every nook and cranny of this country doing retreats and conventions for OA, and I have been to meetings in hundreds of different places. What is this meeting about? What is the purpose of a meeting? The purpose of a meeting, as described in this paragraph, is for the person who's recovered to bring their message of recovery to the person who is still suffering. doesn't mean we sit and talk about our problems. It says, in addition, the newcomers could talk about their problems. And when they say they talked about their problems, it doesn't mean, oh, my kid picks his nose. Oh, my wife's an egg. No, it doesn't mean that. What it means is every time I have to face hangover mornings, I call in sick. Every time I do this, this, and this, I get drunk. So that the people that were recovered could tell the person, here are the steps I took so that I didn't want to get drunk. Here are the things I did, the steps. Here are the things I did to achieve a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps. Now I'm going to say something controversial. If you want to hate me or get mad at me, go ahead. It's okay. I can take it. How do the meetings you go to tally up with that? 
How do the meetings you go to in Overeaters Anonymous tally up with what's described in this paragraph? Because it's so many meetings that I've gone to in this country. If they didn't throw the thing out there that says OA is spoken here and they didn't read the preamble, I wouldn't know where I was. I would think I was in a group therapy meeting. And that's why we're losing members. And that's why we're losing meetings. And that's why we're shrinking at an alarming rate. The renaissance of OA is envisioned for you. The renaissance of OA is for you on the line right now to go and carry this message to the meetings that you go to. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Harlan. Okay, so anybody else that would like to share, um, you can stay for a second unrecorded hour. Um, and I'd like to thank everyone who, who uh, participated this morning, Roz R., Leslie M., Deb W., Kelly S., and Martha Z. Um, <clears throat> please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close the, with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Martha Z. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, this is still Martha Z. gratefully living in recovery. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.